the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show, and I just can't wait. We had Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, on the show yesterday. And I said when we ended the interview that I was going to have Matt back to talk about his substack and his strategy for Republicans in the 2024 primary. I just can't wait, so let's get to it. Again, follow Matt on Twitter, at OhioMatt. So, your latest Substack poses a plan for the Republican Party having an alternative to Donald Trump as its nominee in 2024. And your idea is for Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott, the Florida governor and the South Carolina senator, to team up right now and say, we're running as a team, DeSantis as president, Tim Scott as vice president. I've never seen this done before. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened before. Take me through, first of all, how this came to you and why you think this would be a necessary strategy for DeSantis and Scott to adopt. Yeah, so look, you know, I, I think you have to, to go back to 2016 and look at Trump. What is, Trump was an out, out of, outside-the-box kind of guy, right? And he came in there, and he decimated 16 very high-qualified, distinguished Republican governors, senators, you name it, right? I mean, he decimated them in 2016. And he became president, right? We now know that. And of course, he lost in 2020. But my belief is among, you know, you, you hear these things of, oh, people people are turning away from Donald Trump. And what they mean are leaders, the establishment. But the base is still loves Donald Trump. And, and I don't think uh, in a mano a mano, so if, if we have another field of 10 people who all run and Donald Trump's in that mix and they're going to try to take him down like, you know, the folks did back in 2016. I don't think anybody takes him out. I think he wins the plurality and gets the nomination again. I, so, And I believe, as much as I've supported him in every election in the past, I, I'm, I wrote this before about the not this, not this timer movement. I think it's time for some change. I want somebody who can give us two full terms, right? I want somebody who doesn't turn away some of the voters that we may need to show up in some of those, those four key battleground states I've often talked about, Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, Arizona, and Wisconsin. And when you look at that, you think who can bring the best package? And, and what I think about is, you know, Ron DeSantis, can he beat Trump one-on-one? I don't think so. Can Tim Scott? I don't think so. But if you put them as a package, and it's a very attractive package for a ton of reasons, right, I think that they would attract a ton of money, a ton of interest. I think that it would be hard for Donald Trump to attack them Right. Because it, 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 it's not just the typical let me come up with some snarky name and you know demean them as, you know, like a you know, little Marco or something for Marco Rubio, uh, you know, uh, you know, Jeb Bush. What was Jeb Bush's uh, nickname? Low uh, energy, low, low energy, energy Jeb. Yeah, low energy Jeb Bush. So he, <laughs> he, he's going to have to be careful how he tries to tag these two. And I think you just, you know, quarter one, they announced that they're going to be a ticket, that Ron, Ron's going to run. And, and, and when he wins the nomination, he'll have Tim Scott as his vice presidential nominee. And they start barnstorming the country, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. I think they would attract enough attention. It's such a novelty. I think the big money would come behind them. Because the other thing you have to keep in mind is, you know, Trump's sitting on $100 million, and he has a, uh, a fundraising infrastructure that is fully built in every 
day they're pinging people for money. So he's going to be able to raise a ton of money. So someone's got to be able to compete with him beyond just that appeal. They have to have, be able to essentially raise enough money to stay viable in kind of a Super Tuesday environment, right? The early primaries, the early caucuses and things like that. So I just think it's an out-of-the-box way to try to tackle Donald Trump and, and kind of get the Republican Party on, you know, staying with the Trump policies that both the, you know, DeSantis and Scott are good on the Trump policies, but moving beyond Trump's personality so that we can win in 2024 and win the three Senate seats in those states that are red. Sherrod Brown here in Ohio, Joe Manchin in, in uh, West Virginia, and then the, the, the third seat is Joe, John Testero up in Montana. Those are state seats we should own because those are in deeply red states. So I want to make sure we have the best chance possible to win the presidency back win those three Senate seats and take over the Senate in 2024 to keep the House. And I think a DeSantis-Scott ticket gives us the best chance. And I would be concerned if Donald Trump's the nominee, we'll have another meh, mediocre kind of election, mixed, mixed you know, outcome uh, election in 2024. And, and we can't afford that. This country can't afford that. All right. Why would Tim Scott do this? Because everybody assumes, uh, and Tim Scott has designs on running for president himself, I think that would be a waste. I think Tim Scott is in the group of candidates who could proliferate so many possibilities that it would, in effect, allow Trump to walk into the nomination much like he did in 2016, where he starts with 30 percent and he stays at 30 percent and people just gradually fall out. If there are four or five candidates in this race, I think somebody can beat Trump. You, I think, disagree with me on that. But why would Tim Scott do this at this juncture when it's pretty clear from all the rumors that he is contemplating a presidential run himself? Because, look, I, I think a U.S. senator is a hard spot to one, run and win an election. I mean, wh- what, what has Tim Scott actually accomplished as a U.S. senator, right? Unlike a governor, he, he, has, a, he has a fellow you know, nom- person who's going to run named Nikki Haley, who was governor of South Carolina for, for eight years, you know, was UN, UN, UN ambassador for Trump. It has a huge record to run on as a governor. So, like, you know, how's he going to say, but, oh, no, no, don't pick her. Pick me from South Carolina. So I think he's in this position where, you know, he can't win. I don't think he'll win the nominee just because he's a really interesting guy. We love his moral positions, right, and in, in, in all that. I think we, he has to realize that, you know, he has to have something else for him to become the president. And I think that's where being vice president for eight years puts him in a position, frankly, then to run as, you know, president eight years later where he, you know, can potentially give Republicans, you know, 16 straight years control of, of the White House. So I think it's a benefit to him. I think I think he stands very little chance of of running in 2024 on his own and winning. And if you look at any polling data, he's at one percent or not even being registered at this point. So this is really a, if DeSantis is in, he takes the oxygen after Trump. If it's not DeSantis, then you've got Mike Pence. And after that, everybody's just also ran. So Again, that goes back to why I think if, if it's not something novel like I'm suggesting, I don't see I don't see the likelihood of any one person taking out Donald Trump uh, mano a mano. Okay, Matt Mayer, OpportunityOhio.org, our guest. You know that Trump this week uh, or last week, I guess, met with Kanye West or Yay now the former artist formerly known as Kanye West at his Mar-a-Lago estate. And uh, and, uh, white supremacist and Holocaust denier Nick Fuentes was there. Trump says he didn't know who he was, which I didn't know it was that easy to get next to a former president. Don't you think that Trump is going to continue to be Trump and people are just trending toward, if not fully already exhausted by him, that I think the more 
presence Donald Trump has and the more rope other candidates allow him to have is the only announced candidate at this point. I think he's going to disparage and diminish himself so much that I do think someone will beat him in a primary. I just think that he is his own worst enemy. He's always been that. Uh, It was, you know, an act that played for a while, but I just don't think it has enough staying power to deliver him a nomination in 2024. All I can say is, for everybody who laughed in July of 2015 when he came down those escalators at the idea that he would run and win the presidency, I think Donald Trump is consistently underestimated, and I'd be very careful of of thinking that somebody can beat him one on one. I mean, the I, you know, the Republican. I mean, you know, you you think about this. If if Donald Trump says he's coming to Delaware to do a rally. You, you don't think 10, 15,000 people are going to show up? They will. They're going to show up in spades. Yep. And that'll happen all over the country. That will not happen for any other Republican nominee. It just simply won't. So he just has a wattage that other people don't have. Now, what you raised to me, though, is the bigger issue. And this, this plagued his presidency, and I have no basis to believe it would not plague a second presidency, which is he has consistently had a poorly staffed team that – has allowed people like Nick Fuentes into Mar-a-Lago, should never have gotten put in there. How could he get past the, 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 the Secret Service screening? Shouldn't have gotten past it. How did he get past the, whoever is the chief of staff or whoever is his admin? Like These people you need to know, you know, it's called the wave system. I, I've gone through the White House m- multiple times, and I can tell you, you know who's coming in and out of that place, and that, that is exactly how Mar-a-Lago should be working. The fact that he got in there is deeply problematic, but it's no different than the bad, not the bad presidential appointees that he put in place that were clearly never Trumpers, clearly did support his administration and what he was trying to do, that then tried to undermine him consistently. Right, that's part of the problem is that Trump has always had poor staffing, and I see no reason why that will, will change. And the Nick Fuentes, you know, beyond the troubling component that he's this racist, anti-Semitic guy, the bigger problem is it continues to highlight that his staffing is just horrible about who he surrounds himself with, and he doesn't – we can't afford four more years of that kind of poor staffing when you have someone like Ron DeSantis who clearly puts himself – surrounds himself with really highly competent, highly qualified people that are all rowing towards the same direction. Matt, always great to have you on. Appreciate your time today, and we look forward to talking to you at our regular time next week. Hey, thanks for having me. He poses a very interesting scenario there. I think the challenge would be, would it be viewed as an attempt by the Republican establishment to diminish Trump? If so, it would fail because you have to be able to beat Trump without it being seen as being orchestrated by the Republican establishment. Trump won in 2016 because he was an outlier. He's obviously not an outlier now. He's been the president of the United States. He's the leader of the Republican Party. So he's not an outlier. But if the party itself would put DeSantis and Scott together, or they'd come together, and it would be seen as the party putting them together, then Trump could actually play the outsider card again, and that would help him with the people who are already predisposed to love him despite his obvious flaws. So I got a social media post during the break where somebody wants to know, why would you have Matt Mayer on again today to talk about uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott. It's two years out, and here's the reason. Here's the reason. There's nothing more interesting in Republican politics right now. What, do you want to debate about who the Speaker of the House is going to be if Kevin McCarthy doesn't get the five votes that he needs to get to 218? Uh, there's nothing more interesting 
than Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, because that is the battle that is looming. Now, you can speculate about who will get picked and why. Let me analyze this from a different perspective than just, will Trump implode? Will DeSantis be able to beat him without, you know, alienating the Trump voters? Here's what's different. Here's what's different about 2024 going forward. What's different about 2024 going forward is Twitter's owned by a completely different person now, right? We are going to find out in coming days just how much censorship was going on at Twitter. Elon Musk is pledging to release the files on how deep the censorship at Twitter went. Not just on the Hunter Biden story, but in everything. You're going to find out about shadow bans, people whose posts weren't out there. Trump hasn't been able to be on Twitter. I don't think Trump's going to resist going back on Twitter because it's a great way for him to reach people. He can post whatever he wants to post on his site through social and then post it an hour later on Twitter. He's not disadvantaging his site. But I think the whole fact that Elon Musk owns Twitter now and is pledged to observe free speech, you know this is a game changer from the way that the White House is absolutely panicking about Elon Musk owning Twitter. Listen to, I've played this before, but listen to this. This is Corinne Jean-Pierre at the White House podium stressed to the max about free speech on Twitter. When it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they, they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're all keeping a close eye on this. We're all uh, uh, monitoring uh, what's what's currently uh, occurring, and uh, we see, you know, we see it with our own eyes of, of what you all are reporting, and just for for ourselves, what's happening on, on Twitter. Uh, but again, social media companies have a responsibility to prevent their platforms uh, from being used by any user uh, to incite violence, especially violence uh, directed at individual communities. Now, she's wrong on that, of course, because Twitter is not a publisher. They're not like a newspaper. They're not accountable for what other people post. They are a platform. That's why they have Section 230 protection. But this was a fine little game for them to play when they had people at Twitter who would keep the Hunter Biden story and the revelation about his business dealings off of every platform they possibly could, which undoubtedly, undoubtedly led to the election of Joe Biden by the narrow margin by which he was Elected. You don't need me to tell you that. Let eventual, probably, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy tell you what's wrong with the White House view that Twitter needs to be monitored from just being a platform where people post their opinions and links to news stories. Government's going to go after someone that wants to have free speech. What do they have to look at Twitter about? Do they want to go more after American public about whether they can have an opinion on something? I think the American public have spoken on this. I think our First Amendment stands up, and I I think they should stop picking on Elon Musk. You know, Elon Musk has succeeded in many places. I'd bet on him more than government going after you. And one thing I would say when we talk about accountability, we'll no longer let government go after people simply because of their political views. Okay, so there's another thing that's changed, right? The House now is controlled by Republicans, so they have oversight. So if big tech engages in something like they did when they deplatformed the Hunter Biden story, the House can now investigate. Twitter could do whatever it wanted to do when Democrats were in control because Twitter was doing the bidding of Democrats, so Democrats weren't going to hold them accountable. The Republicans have the power to do that. The other thing that's different 
unless CNN wants to go out of business, CNN can't afford to be orange man bad, Trump big fat orange man bad all the time. They just can't be. And the fact that some of their chief assassins of Trump at CNN, namely Brian Stelter and a few others, have been ousted and Don Lemon has been moved from primetime to mornings, which is like super big demotion in TV news to go from primetime to mornings. And speaking of Don Lemon, you know CNN is going to be less woke than before because Don Lemon, in an appearance on Colbert earlier this week, was denying just that. The word on the street is that you guys aren't allowed to be liberal anymore. Is that, is that the case? I don't think we ever were liberal. We have to hold people to account. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going liberal or conservative or whatever. It just means that we are doing what we do, and that's good journalism. Oh, just good journalism. Just good journalism, he says. Well, Don, Donnie Don Don, unfortunately for you, we kept the receipts of just how liberal you were. If you voted for Trump, you voted for the person who the Klan supported. You voted for the person who Nazis support. There is no reason to believe that the Republicans are going to start playing fairly and are going to start operating as a party of sanity. What is it about President Obama that really gets under your skin? Is it because he's smarter than you? Better educated? Made it on his own? Oh, the dramatic pauses are amazing, are they not? Is it that he's smarter than you? Better educated? Wouldn't that be the same? Better educated and smarter? It's kind of the same thing. But it's not just what Don Lemon said that proves how liberal he is. It's what he allowed to be said on his show while he giggled like the liberal fool that he is in the background. A credulous boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. You, you elitists with your geography and your maps and your spelling, even though my path and your reading. Yeah, you're reading. That's just good journalism, folks. Just good journalism. That's all CNN ever did, according to Don Lemon. Uh, we know, obviously, it's not just good journalism. They were not doing good journalism. They were doing hit pieces on Trump every single day. It bought them ratings. It made them money. But it also painted them into a corner where they lost their status atop the cable news networks. It's hard to make that ground back up, particularly if they go down the same road demonizing Trump again. So Twitter has changed. Even aspects of liberal media like CNN have changed. And again, I'm Team DeSantis, team someone other than Trump. I know that aggravates a lot of you. I I kind of understand why that aggravates a lot of you. What I don't understand is, do you not see that Trump activates the enemy in a way that DeSantis and other possible Republican candidates do not? I think that's glaringly apparent, glaringly apparent. Maybe in time it will be apparent. Right now there's still some people who don't see it, but to me, it's very, very clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.